Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 181 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm excited because today we get to do one of our favorite things, and this sounds a little self-indulgent, but we get to talk about our kids. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, I know we always talk about our kids in some roundabout way, right? But like this episode is all about our eight kids, and we did one like this what, like a year ago? Six I months think ago? I looked back. So I think we've done it. This is our third time. So we've done it like once or twice a year. And yeah, we try and give it a little theme or a structure so that it's not just us talking about our eight kids, but something that can kind of like you guys out there listening can kind of think about your own kids in this way. So Megan, you yeah. came up with the structure for this one and I really love it. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're going to talk about our kids when they were little babies, toddlers, preschoolers, like little, little, little kids, um, which, you know, for some wasn't that long ago. And for others, like my Jacob was forever ago. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about how they are now. And are we like, what are, are we surprised about some things? Yeah. Some things exactly the same as we thought, you know, um, I think when you're, especially when they're little and especially when you're not experienced yet with the way kids change as yes. they grow up or yes. the way they manifest, like you might think that your baby, like your older kid is going to be an exact replica, like yeah. a larger, smarter, more articulate version of that baby. And sometimes that's true. And often it's not. So I love these cups. Yeah. I feel like when we were making notes for this, I feel like about half our kids have something that's like, they're totally different than how they were when they were little. Or how we thought they were, which is also our perception. And then others, like, it's like, they really have just, they're a bigger kid version of their baby self. But I think, I think when you're, especially if you're an anxious newer mom, um, it's easy to like, uh, project the worst, like you have a super yeah. sensitive baby or toddler or a really like hyperactive one or whatever. And it's usually just to, easy to take that and like assume it's going to be that on a big kid level. And it just isn't always the case. So. In fact, I would say it rarely is the yeah. case that they actually like most of the time, I think kids figure out ways to tone down yeah. or uh, in some way use some yes, of those. Yes, harness. Yeah, yeah, yeah harness those. <laughs> so so it's going to be a fun conversation. I'm excited. I am too. And also, I'm very excited. So we are welcoming back Allison Thompson, who you guys know has been joining me about once a month as she's transitioned from mom of one to mom of two. She had her baby in late September. Um, and we are talking about postpartum, the postpartum experience a little bit at the very end of today's episode. So all you have to do is stay with us. And at the end, you'll hear my chat with Allison. Um, and postpartum is, it is a big topic. But we talk about how her experience has been, and um, it'll be a great conversation. Um, I also want to throw in there that um, our sound editor, Brian, also edits um, Crunchy Cocktail Hour and mentioned to me that I think it was maybe the last episode that they edited, that he edited, you can hear baby Brooke babbling. Oh. And it's the cutest thing. Well, I told her, so we batch recorded quite a bit, understandably, yeah. before she had babies. And I told her at the end of this segment, you'll hear, I said, Allison, next time we record, I want baby Bring gurgles. the baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. a bab- babbling Brooke. Yes. Yeah, oh, so I tune into Crunchy Cocktail Hour to hear that. I love it so much. All right. Well, let's talk about our first sponsor today. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So our sponsor today is Spangler Science Club. It's a monthly subscription box for kids ages 7 to 14, and the kits all contain STEM-based experiments and challenges that kids can do at home. So if you don't know who Steve Spangler is, he's an educator who's turned TV personality. You might have seen him on Ellen. He's kind of a big deal. If you don't know who he is, I'm sure your kids do. But his mission is to make science learning fun for kids. And he uh, created these kits with an award-winning team of educators and experts to do just that. I love it. Well, we got to try November's STEM lab kit called the Amazing Science Laboratory. And it came with three different experiments. But I have to say, as a mom, one thing I appreciated was that the actual box that arrived was not overwhelmingly huge. It was about the size of a large shoebox. But it was amazing to see all the different things the kids did with what was inside. So it came with a collapsible test tube rack and six really nice test tubes. And then safety goggles and a beaker. I don't know. It was like the Mary Poppins bag. Like it all fit in this small <laughs> box. And this is all stuff that my kids will use again and again in their backyard science experiments. Like when I lock the door and send them outside and tell them to play in the mud. So <laughs> I really appreciate that. This is stuff like we will totally keep as part of our, just our family science stuff. Um, and then there were the specific materials and the instructions for the three really cool experiments. Um, and they all involved color mixing and color changing liquids, which the kids thought was really cool. 
I also appreciated that it wasn't just pour this and mix that. The cards that came with it actually really taught them what was happening with the science and broke down the science behind what they were learning. So they learned why their little test tube lava lamps worked the way they did. I'm so excited about this because I remember as a kid being really bummed out that kind of like the old school chemistry sets had gone away mm-hmm. by that point. Yes, they kind of and had. all their, they, they were not really available. And all that there were were sort of these like lame and not very fun experiment kits. And I'm doing the air quotes yes. with experiment because it really wasn't an experiment. It was like, mix this, that happened. Okay, the end. And, uh, and often you couldn't use <laughs> yeah. it after it was done. Whereas I feel like yes, a lot of this has a shelf, uh, not a shelf life. You know what I'm trying to say? It will, it will be incorporated into the stuff my kids continue to use. Yeah, it's going to last. It's, it's more sustainable than that. Um, we're planning to break out our kit tonight. I have to also back you up on the packaging being perfectly sized. You know, I live in a really small house. And when I got the kit, I was like, oh no, I don't know where I'm going to put this before we can get to it. But all three of the kits fit really easily on a bookshelf. Yeah. So I can just grab them when we have some extra time and they don't have to be sitting out. And Sarah, I know you and I have talked um, about how picky we are about kits in general Mm -hmm. and how anything we bring into our house really needs to be high quality. And then feature activities, like we said, are worth doing. Yep. Um, So the age guidelines are around 7 to 14. But my five-year-old did have a lot of fun with a helper. Basically, if your kid can read decently well, I would say even young readers can really do it on their own. I wouldn't say there's a ton that can't be done by a younger child as long as they can read the cards. And then if they can't, Mm -hmm. you just need a helper. And the mess factor was totally manageable. The kids had so much fun. I can see this being a great holiday gift for a kid who likes to get into stuff and maybe makes you crazy on days when the weather is bad. So uh, check it out. There are three subscription levels. They start at just $9.99 and we've got a deal that will save you $10.00 on either the STEM Lab or the STEM Deluxe subscription if you sign up for three months or more. Yep, you just head to SpanglerScienceClub.com and use the code MOMHOUR to save that $10 when you subscribe to at least three months of either the STEM Lab or STEM Deluxe kits. So Spangler is S-P-A-N-G-L-E-R ScienceClub.com and the promo code is MOMHOUR. And if you guys want to see more of my kids having fun with the November STEM Lab kit, just keep an eye on our Instagram stories this week because I have some fun stuff to share. Yeah, I'm planning to have Clara do hers with her cousins tonight. So I'll be sure to share some pics of that too. Okay, should we get to it, Megan? Let's do it. I'm excited about this one. Okay, I love this. We're talking about our eight kids today and I am literally going to pull names out of a hat because we've done this a few times and it's always fun to go in a different order with our eight. Okay, can you hear the paper? I can hear the paper shuffling. There is no actual hat, but there is eight. Oh, 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 wait a second. I mean, put a pause on it. can't tell lies on the podcast. (laughs) I am pulling names out of a shuffle. Okay, but they're well shuffled. I wrote them myself. And the first name is Owen. Okay, so the the structure is we're going to talk about how old they are now, Uh where they fall in the birth order, something about them when they were babies, and then how that thing does or does not kind of come out about them now. Okay, so. This is the first one. So it's like I'm, I'm having to, I'm overthinking, but Owen is 12. He'll be 13 in December. Okay. He was the fourth. He's the youngest boy. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, when Owen was a baby, well, I'll, I'll say two things. Or toddler. Physical, you can go forward. Baby My kids are still so young that I, I need to like start somewhere, you know, right. but I think. Well, okay. I'll go, I'll go back as far. I'll go back to baby and toddler. Okay. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about a personality thing and a physical thing. Oh, okay. When he was a baby, he was the fattest of all of my babies. Really? Yes. <gasps> he was huge. We used to call him chairman of the board because he had like eight <laughs> chins. And all of his pictures, he looks like a little mini CEO from like an old, like an old school movie. Like, like now an it would 80s be boss movie. Baby, though. Now, th- yeah. now we have boss <laughs> baby. So that would actually be him. Um, and now he's scrawny. Yeah. He's like my most like lanky. Yeah. Long. I think skinny. of him as really like little. Yes. He, yes. So um, anyway, this is kind of a funny little thing. His personality, the thing I remember most about Owen, besides that he was my biggest baby at birth and also my most voracious eater, is that he was super sensitive. Like if you were walking with him and bumped his foot against the door jam, he would lose his mind. Hmm. And in some ways, I think he's still like that. Like he was very physically sensitive. He didn't okay. like, like he didn't like startling. He didn't like things, unwelcome things to touch yes. him or to bump up against things. And, you know, he's, he's kind of outgrown that, but I think he does react most to changes in his environment. Mm-hmm. And um, also he really, really, really hates anything like any kind of pain that might come upon him. Um, he doesn't like to take medicine, just like all those yeah. things. Like if he's ever, he's the one who's had to be, be to the ER the most times. Yeah. But every time we've taken him, it's been like a crying, like 
Yeah, we just talked about that last week, like the doctor visit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's like one thing that totally did manifest now. And and also um, as a toddler who's very, very stubborn and he's still very stubborn, like very, he debates everything. He's always got an answer for everything. Mm -hmm. He was kind of a classic because he was the youngest for a while. He was the youngest Mm for um, close to four years. And he was, the, you know, the youngest of all the boys. And I right. think he kind of had a little chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. about being the little guy and having to be right and having to argue things. And that has not gone away. So he's still sort of asserting his place yes. in the world. I, I you, think he'll use it for good in the future. Yeah. Do you, I yeah. was going to ask, because, and I don't, we probably won't do this for every kid, but because he is such on the precipice of going from kid to teen, do you have any kind of, can you see glimmers of how some of these same things are then going to take their next evolution? Well, he's also very determined. So mm-hmm. with the stubbornness comes a great determination. I think he will most likely be the most academically successful, okay. at least of the boys, because he cares a lot and mm-hmm. he's really, really um, focused. Mm-hmm. And when he decides, like like yo-yoing or bottle right. flipping or whatever right. it is, when he decides he wants to excel at something, he works really hard to excel at it. So I think it's going to be interesting because I think in high school, you know, he's already getting stressed out by seventh grade. And I mm-hmm. think there's going to be that he's really smart and it doesn't, it's always been easy for him. And I think he's having a hard time dealing with the fact that now it's like, there's things he doesn't know right. that he has to learn or, or can't just make up. And like he, um, that competitive nature, I think could make him a really good high school student, but could also lead to a lot of stress. Yeah. So, so it's just about yeah. tools and stress management yep. now. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I love Owen. That was fun. I finally Thanks got to Owen. meet him in person. No, oh, I had right. met him a few years ago, but that was such that's a big right. difference. It was like the difference between like age nine and 12, which I feel like is looking, different. Looking at a 12-year-old boy, it's like heartbreaking. I know. It's, it is heartbreaking because they're just sweet still and little, but like they're just on the cusp. Yeah. Ugh, making me tear up. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll go. Right, moving on. Move okay, on. Moving on. <laughs> okay. I said I went aside. I'm shuffling the papers again. Now, you might have to go back to back. You have more kids than I am, so I don't be mad if it's you again. All right. Okay. It's I'm Clara. Prepared. It was Clara. Okay. <laughs> if it keeps happening, we can overrule the pile, but okay. go ahead. Do Clara. All right. Clara is nine. She was the baby of the family and the only girl. Um, when Clara, when Clara was a baby, that's like a reference to <laughs> last if, week's episode. If you too. listened last week, you have to. There's an original song at the end of last yes. week's episode. Um, Clara almost feels like the exact same person she was. She, first of all, when she was a baby, she always had this pensive look on her face. I can't. Okay. Her eyebrows kind of like curved up and she just looked very pensive Mm -hmm. and she was always very sweet. And then as she got older, she was just very, very talkative and very empathetic and worried a lot about other people. Mm -hmm. Like emotionally sensitive, kind of. Emotionally very sensitive. And she, and very, very articulate from like a young age, not, not necessarily using the right words, but just like really good at expressing her feelings. Very expressive. Yes. And she is still exactly the same. I was actually, I showed that video to a friend of mine named Katie last week and she's Mm -hmm. like, she's the same. Yeah. She's the same person. Her facial expressions are great. I have to give a shout out. Um, We're recording this part of the show on Halloween and you did a um, Instagram story this morning about her Halloween costume. And she's so, I mean, she's, she's really beautiful and her face is so expressive, like this yes. tiny, sweet little face. Well, I feel like I can even say something about Clara because I have spent the most time with her of any of your kids. And she has probably changed the most because when you and I very first started working together, she was like three. Yeah. Um, but what I notice is she because you've talked about her being, you know, the youngest and the baby yeah. and kind of sensitive, a little bit anxious. When I'm around her, I notice the flip side of that, which is like, also, as the youngest, I think she's incredibly kind of uh, self-sufficient and like scrappy. Like she oh, can yeah. totally take care of herself. And I think it's probably different with you. You've talked about her being a little bit needier sometimes, and like maybe I don't even notice. <laughs> but I, I think because uh, she's got all these big brothers, and yeah. like um, she just strikes me as also having this side of very not scrappy. She's resourceful. Resourceful. That's a better yeah. word than scrappy because she still that is really, very true. She she still wants to follow the rules and like please everybody. But right. she is not a damsel in distress. Like she can get no. stuff done. And from a very young age, she was the kid who, if she needed something, she would go ask an adult and figure it out and like, didn't really rely. But I think a lot of that does come from necessity. Yeah. And there was so much going on. She just was like, Oh, all these big people are just doing it. So I'm just going to do it. She's much more comfortable around adults than kids. So she tries to act more like an adult than mm-hmm. a kid, I think. 
Yeah. So how do you think some of this is going to play out going forward? Like the sensitivity and the kind of emotional. I'm a little worried in. about her as she gets yeah. into middle school, honestly, because I think she's going to be one of those girls who's going to have a hard time dealing with female friendships mm-hmm. and um, pressures and stuff. I think she'll, but I think she's got a really good moral compass. Like mm-hmm. I think her, her, her moral center is strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm banking on that to keep her out of right. too many messes, but I think we're going to talk a lot. Which yeah. is high school, yeah. which I'm looking forward to actually, because yeah. I kind of, I kind of dig that. that and I sort think of you thing. can, I think you probably have complementary personalities. Like I don't think you're right. exactly like her, but you can probably relate a lot. I can empathize, but I think what I, what my, the strength will be is I don't think I'll get emotionally involved in her emotional stuff. Right, right. And yeah, you're a seasoned so. mom. It would be different right. if she was your first kid going in through that the first time. It is your first yep. girl, but still, you've you've been around the block. And I wasn't a teenager that long ago. Right. Let me point out. It's only been 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> okay. I'm shuffling. Moving on. Miles. Moving on. I would say if this one is one of yours, we'll, um, we'll switch it we'll out. Put okay. It back. Okay. It's Reed. Oh, yay. Okay. Okay. Reed is eight and a half. He is the middle. So he is the middle and he's also the only boy. So he is sandwiched between sisters. A couple of years on either side. Um, okay, so I like how you did one physical and one um, personality for Owen. So I'll do the same because Reed was he was a really cute baby. I think of him as a baby as very round. His eyes were very round. He had the best shaped head. You know how some babies' heads <laughs> yes. just don't win the lottery and others are yep. like perfect. So he had this, I mean, people, a couple of people came up strangers and said his head is like so cute shaped. So he mm-hmm. had great shaped head. He was like this round and belly. He was not super chunky, but he was just that perfect roundness. And probably mm-hmm. up until he was about two and a half, three. And then he became a very, very picky eater, which he still is. And I mean, it's not like he lost weight at a dangerous level, but he just leaned out, not a great eater and just um, kind of bird boned. So now I think of him as very, he's very little as well. So kind of similar to Owen. He's built very similar to how I was when I was a kid. I was uh, one of the shortest ones in my class, and so is he. But um, because I was very petite, I didn't have a short and stocky look. I just had like a shrunk, you know what I mean? Like I was just petite all around. I was short and little. Um, and because he's one of the youngest in his grade, it's exacerbated. So he's very, when you line him up with boys in his grade, he is very, very little, which to me, it just kind of cute because I get to keep him little longer. Um, but he was so round as a baby, round cheeks, round belly, round head. And then now he's much more angular. Like you could see his little chicken wing, you know, when they take their shirt off, (laughs) like the elbows and, um, so I would say one thing about Reed is he was uh, a very, very, very early talker um, and continued on that path in a very, very, very early reader. So he was just highly verbal from the very beginning. Um, and But what's interesting is the way that's playing out now is he's not very talkative, if you know what I mean. So he mm-hmm. he acquired language very early. I mean, noticeably early. And then he learned to read very, very early. And he has this crazy vocabulary. And if, if you get him talking, it's like talking to a little professor. But he's not really a gregarious person. So whereas I would have thought of him, probably I would have predicted that he'd be really social and chatty because he was such a talkative baby and toddler. And he just was picking up words and phrases and he had an older sister and they would play. I think he's much more, I mean, he's much more of an introverted personality. And I don't know that he actually, he's like not a man of many words. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Even Mm -hmm. though he's so language oriented. So he'll probably continue to be kind of like a reader and a thinker. But I think it's interesting that that played out as a toddler, I would have thought of him as kind of a chatterbox because he was, yeah. he, he could talk. And there's still times if you get him going on video games or Minecraft, or if you let him go, you know, you have boys, you know how if you like yeah. let them go on something like that, they would talk for like two years. Oh yeah. Like, yes. Mom, can I tell you about my video game? Sure, honey. Um, <laughs> oh, I remember those conversations. Right. Yep. But, but I think that's different. That's sort of like, let me let out everything that's in my right. brain. Um, in terms of actually being a conversationalist, he really isn't. He's pretty, he's pretty quiet and he's usually kind of, he is, he's like, he is like a little, a little professor yeah. is like a really good way to put it because I've had conversations with Reed, but I almost feel like I always have to start them unless yeah. there's something he really wants to unload. Yeah. And that's happened a couple of times. Yeah. And I think once he's interested in something, um, I think he's, he gets very overwhelmed sensorially. Like he doesn't really like when there's a lot going on. I didn't notice that as a baby. You'd think that would have come out as a baby, but I, I notice it more now. So he'll, he'll, he'll retreat if there's too much going on. Um, so yeah. And I think probably that will, 
He'll continue to be like an introvert who has his good buddies. And as long as they can all get fired up about the same thing, he'll talk forever. But he's not, he's not Mr. Chatterbox. Like maybe I would have thought. Now, when this it's a little too early to tell with some of your kids, I think. Yeah. But like one interesting thing to add to it is how they relate to other kids. Like yeah. Owen, for example, has always had, I mean, he hasn't had the same friends his whole life. But one thing I think is interesting is he's always had like one or two really good friends and kids really like him and are drawn to him. But he doesn't seem to see himself as a popular kid. I don't think he cares. He's right. not upset about it at all. But like he's got his one or two really good buddies and they change every couple of years. And that's it. That's all he needs. Yeah. I'm curious how yeah. is, is Reed like that? Yeah, I would say so. He he met one really good buddy when we started at this school and another one and they've stayed close. But I was um, at his parent teacher conference this fall. He has a great teacher. I love her so much. And she really gets him. And she said, you know, he is quiet, but he is more of a leader than he thinks. Like kids look mm. to him and he is really well behaved. Like he's never had behavior problem. I, I think because he can be so focused and he really likes to learn. So she said he's not like the kind of leader who's like, up in front of the class, you know, like probably not going to run for student council president or whatever. But right. um, the teacher was like, you would be surprised. She's like, kids look to him. And I thought that was such a nice compliment. I mean, maybe she said it to blow wind in our sails or something. But no, but I think they mean yeah. it. I mean, when they yeah. say things like that, yeah. you know, so I thought that was a nice job. compliment, like a quiet, gentle leader. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that. All right. Should we do another? Sure. OK, here we go. This is Isaac. Oh, okay. Um, well, Isaac physically was so adorable. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> he was just like, like chubby. We called him chuckles. He had the best little smile and laugh. And he was, um, well, I've talked about Isaac as a toddler. And yeah, but we have new listeners, so you can yeah. always refresh our memories. He... Also, um, say how old he is now in the birth oh, order. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, that's forgot. Okay. okay. He's 19, just turned 19. I keep forgetting to bump up. And he was the second. Okay. So he was the wild child mm -hmm. for years. Um, he was extremely physically active, extremely physically expressive, aggressive at times. Now, I when think did maybe that might calm have been my down. only biter. I'm asking for a friend. When did yeah. that calm down? No, I'm just kidding. Um, honestly, I think it calmed down for him between the ages of seven and eight. Okay. He completely changed. Of all of my kids, Isaac is the biggest surprise. Okay. Like if I had, if I went back to the me sitting on the floor in tears at like two because he just threw a chair at me, like yep. he like Hulk, he like yeah. hulked, like incredible Hulk a chair at me, and then laughed and ran away. Yeah. And I'm just like, what, what, uh, what did I do? Um, he is the biggest surprise. Like he is the calmest, chillest, po most polite, quiet kid. And has been that way since he was probably nine. I feel like there are and listeners right now who are like physically um, <laughs> breathing a sigh of relief. Because I hope so. But I can't even say why it happened. I, I will say one thing I do remember is I took Isaac to, he ended up going to a, a small Catholic school in uh, kindergarten and first grade. And I do remember the teacher saying to me one time, like, I'm just going to let him stand at his desk and bounce because he can't not. And I don't really see the, I don't see why I'd make him sit. I think right. there were adults in his life that made a lot of little allowances, mm -hmm. little allowances for him that made a big difference in the end. And I think he was always, I think he was just one of those kids who has no impulse control and didn't know. And he was, he had a huge vocabulary, mm -hmm. but he couldn't, like, he didn't know how to express himself. I think he always was a little bit disdainful of kids his own age. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, would be kind of looking around like, oh, their jokes are so dumb. And I mean... But then he was really trying to establish who he was. He also, um, like Reed, he was a kid who I would. I remember walking into a classroom with him and asking, "Who's so?" When you when we go into your classroom, point out who your friends are. And he said, "I don't have friends." And mm. then we walked in, and everyone like lights up and is like, "Hi, Isaac!" <laughs> and he's convinced, like he just doesn't. Yeah. It, it, again, it wasn't sad about it. It was just like, "Oh, I don't really." Yeah. It's not really my thing. So I think he was always much more of a leader than he knew mm -hmm. um, as well. And just and brainy, but just interesting. Did interesting he behave kid. the same at home and at school when he was little, like in the pre-calming down, like like kinder, preschool? Did he get in I trouble think, at school or was he good at school and well, naughty he, at home? Mm, here's the thing. I think I was a little sheltered from what he actually was like in kindergarten, first and second, because he was in small schools with extremely small classrooms where he got a lot of attention. Yeah. And I remember the teachers saying things like, I have such a soft spot for Isaac or Isaac really sweet when you get to know him. Like, 
like these things them, that are like coded language. They were all coached, but no one ever said, or couch, but no one ever said he's a problem. He was the kid who like got kicked off a bus for punching a bully like in the <laughs> testicles. And the bus driver did call me and say, had it been up to her, she would have um, kicked them both off. But because she thought the bully wasn't right, was equally, you know, yeah. he was verbally bullying. Yeah. But she's like, he was equally at fault. And Isaac's a little guy and he didn't know what to do. And so he punched him. And she's like, it's not right, but I would have done the same thing. <laughs> um, I think his cuteness kind of also got him a little bit of yeah. special treatment sometimes. But um, I don't know, to wrap that up, like he, he also pulled his pants down on the playground, like stuff okay. like that. Like yeah. he was that kid. Um, but he didn't, but I do remember thinking when he went to school that the, some of the pressure was off me. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he seemed to, um, he seemed to get some of that energy out. Okay. At school. Okay. And not as much at home. So whether that was just good, like maybe he just had a lot of opportunities in school. Maybe he was maturing. I don't know. But yeah. I would say by the time he was like in fourth grade, he was like really easy. It's amazing. Well, like I do maybe think one of my, like, in fact, he was so easy that he like flew under the radar so much that it started to worry me. Cause I was like, maybe he's on drugs or something. Yeah. I just don't know, but he's, you know, he's coming along in well in life. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I do think that's like <laughs> such a beacon of hope for so many. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to pick another. All right. All right. Allegra. Okay. <gasps> Yay. Okay. I did think about this one in advance. So well, okay, Allegra is my first, and I think that's like when you don't even have anything to compare to that so colors your impression yeah. of them. But she was the most striking thing about her. I mean, from birth till age, I want to say like four, was how um, watchful she was. She was not shy in the way that you, well, she was shy. I mean, you would definitely call her, I would call her more cautious than shy. Shy to me, first of all, we've talked about, it's kind of a complicated label that we don't like. Yeah. But even if there is a social definition of shy, um, Allegra was okay socially, but she was a watcher. She never mind kind of going to school. She didn't, um, she didn't do the cling to mommy as severely as some kids do. So she was, she was okay being independent, but she was so much an observer that it was noticeable. She wow. would, um, she has these big eyes, big yes, eyes. She really does. And she was like a little owl from the time mm -hmm. she was a baby. She didn't smile very much as a baby. I mean, just, she smiled just enough to like pass the developmental milestone. I mean, <laughs> right. she, you could get her to You're smile. Like, she can smile. You could get her to smile, but you had to work hard. She rarely laughed. Rarely. Like we'd have to tickle her. And of course now she's like real. I mean, she's got a great sense of humor and stuff, but um, so she was very serious, these big eyes, and she would just watch and take it all in. And, um, I think I had enough people say to me, you know, oh, my child was like that or but it was it was to an extreme where um, she was also not physically she didn't crawl. So she didn't move anywhere until she was one. And then she walked very carefully, very slowly. She didn't ever like jump or run. She was just this like quiet. Um, when she was home with us, she would talk and interact and stuff. But out in the world, she was just taking it all in. It didn't come with a lot of like anxiety. Like I was saying, it wasn't like she was scared of everything. She just wanted to take it all in. And then I'll never forget preschool. The first year of preschool was pretty much the same. She just watched the kids on the playground. The second year of preschool, I think she got into the routine a little bit more, but she still didn't really have any friends. I think she was still observing. And then kindergarten, like the year between five and six, she just started to come out of her shell. And from then on, I would never describe her as hesitant or tentative. I mean, really not at all anymore. So it's another, she seems total, very confident. She's very me. confident. She's, um, socially, she has one best friend and then the rest she's just friendly with, but she's never afraid to be like, Hey, so-and-so, how was your weekend? She's, you know, she's chatty and she's not, you know, she's just not that kid, but it, it's like, it took five years of watching the world. Um, so that may be another 180 story for those who have really extremely, um, cautious and reserved, kids. And I just think, I, I mean, I guess my advice is we have to let those kids be watchers because we never yeah. know they're taking it all in and they yeah. might do something amazing with it. But um, later they'll, they'll enact all the things that they've been yes. getting away in their brains. And yeah. we, got, we got a lot of her personality at home. So it wasn't like right. we thought like, where is this kid's personality? We saw it at home. It was just the rest of the world. I, I'll never forget my first parent teacher conference in preschool. I was so excited for the teacher to kind of, you know, we, you, we've talked about how you want the teacher to like know your kid and recognize the specialness in your kid. And her teacher was very sweet, but she was like, well, I feel like I'm just getting to know her. Like I could tell she just, she hadn't gotten anything out of her because yeah. it just, there was nothing there. And then 
yeah, I don't see that at all anymore. So it's interesting. Allegra always makes me think of like, well, and, and sometimes I think what I'm seeing is maybe different than what you are because when I'm there, half the time Clara's there. Yeah. So she's kind of having to negotiate. Like, she, I feel like she's the, um, what is it? Like, she's like a negotiator. Like she's mm-hmm. the one figuring out, yes. okay, well, you know, she has to make Clara happy and her younger siblings mm-hmm. happy. And she has to stay within like the rules or the boundaries that have yep. been set. So I see her doing a lot of yeah, that. She she's likes very adult. To, yeah, she is. She likes to kind of be like a stage director, like figuring out um, what, you know, where everybody should go. And even yep. when she would play make believe, it was always like yeah. a teacher in school. or She's coming up with play. solutions yes. at all times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I guess she just took it all in for the first five years and then a switch flipped. Um, Interesting. Okay, let's do one more before the break because we have our Allison segment at the end. And so we'll go a little bit longer in this first half. Okay. And then we'll do. I feel like I'm missing a kid. How many kids have we done? Was that five? That might have been five. All right, let's take our break. Well, very relevantly, we are talking about our sponsor, care.com today. And care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. You can find care for everyone in your family that includes sitters, nannies, housekeepers. Dog walkers, senior carers, tutors, errand runners, basically anything that you need to help the people in your house manage themselves yeah. and manage your ho- your household, uh, care.com can help you with that. I have personally used care.com for both nannies and occasional sitters. And even though I live in a small town, I've always been really impressed by how many caregivers I was able to find in my area just by typing in my zip code. Um, anything from people who want to do you know full-time work to part-time work to maybe every now and then Friday or something like that. What's also really cool is care.com. If you have a premium membership, you can do basically everything through the membership. You can find the caregivers, but you can also book them. You can pay for the care online. You can pay nanny taxes. Um, You can look up background checks. There's all kinds of things that you can do right there within care.com. So you never really have to leave that platform if you don't want to. You can join for free as a basic member and that'll let you start searching and you can kind of see what's out there in your area. But then when you upgrade to premium, you can actually reach out to the caregivers, schedule the interviews and all that good stuff. That's awesome. um, and you can book and pay for the care online or through the app. And we're going to give you 30% off that care.com premium membership. Just visit care.com slash mom hour when you subscribe. Again, you're going to get 30% off a premium membership at care.com by going to care.com slash mom hour and subscribe. I love it. I was just talking to someone who found an awesome nanny on care.com and it wasn't even yeah. a sponsored conversation. It just happened to happen. Um, have really good luck. Well, I am excited to talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers professional online counseling and therapy with licensed therapists. Again, online guys. So we know from experience that it can be really helpful to talk to a professional, whether you're struggling big time with something like um, postpartum depression or anxiety, or even if you just need help making a decision or a life change, but it's really hard to find good local care. And then if you've got little kids, it's even harder just to pick up the phone and schedule it, show up at an office. Just getting over that hurdle can be sometimes more than we have the ability to deal with. Um, So BetterHelp makes it easy by offering four communication methods. They've got text, chat, phone, or video, whatever you are most comfortable with. That is how you can communicate with your counselor. It's amazing. It's totally secure. So your information stays private and you can change counselors if you need to find one that's a better fit for you. Actually, surprisingly affordable, just $35 to $65 per week to access regular professional care. Um, It is important to note you've got to be 18 years or older to use BetterHelp, and this is not a crisis line. But if you think you could benefit from talking to a professional licensed therapist, and I think we all can from time to time, we've got a great deal for you. You can try BetterHelp free for one week, and when you sign up, you can start communicating with somebody in under 24 hours. So you go to betterhelp.com slash mom to get started. Again, it's a whole week free. That's betterhelp.com slash mom. What a great right. service. Great. Okay. Getting we, back into it. We Woo-hoo. do have three more. Despite, uh, two of them are mine, right? Despite yes. my inability <laughs> to count our children. Maybe this is confused. a lesson in not having eight children. Just kidding. You can oh, all... wait a second. That's not fair because I make up the, the lion's share of those. But <laughs> <laughs> Remind us not to go on vacation with just the two of us and our eight kids. We won't keep track of them. Okay. Out of the hat comes... Miss Violet. Oh, hashtag Violet. Hashtag ultraviolet is what I've started using. Okay. Well, she's only five and a half. So this is a little different because most of the things we don't know. Um, I'll, I'll tell a couple of fun things about her as a baby. Um, she was, she has dimples. So do your, I mean, dimples in your family are like no big deal, but yeah, I I think literally everybody has dimples. Right. So, um, my husband and I each have one dimple, but it's not like a, it's not a standout feature of our face, but Violet's got like the kind where like, that's the first thing 
you notice when she smiles, she's got two big dimples and they noticed it right in the delivery room. Like, you know, so she, and she just was the most, um, kind of socially outgoing of any of my kids as a baby and toddler. I mean, obviously we just talked about Allegra being super reserved. Um, Reed was chatty, but you know, not particularly outgoing. And she, I mean, the best word to describe it is kind of a flirt, like, mm, you know, mm-hmm. with, with anyone, adults, kids, she, um, she just lights up when she is around people she decides are fun. And that could be a group of older boys. It could be yeah. um, family members, but she's, I, I don't know how to describe it. it uh, other than she's highly relational. Everything, her yes. moods, it's all dependent on, and that's very different for me because I'm not really like that and my other kids aren't like that. Um, as a baby, so she was a fun baby. She was a smiley, laughing, she didn't sleep for beans, but she was a really fun baby. She was the type of baby, you know, that's smiling at people in the grocery store and just a really cute, happy baby. Um, she was a busy, busy, physically active baby and toddler. So she, none of my kids crawled particularly early, but she was an army crawler and she got moving on the floor right at six months, which again, for some babies, that's not that early, but for, for my family, that was an early mover. And then she never stopped. So as like a one-year-old, I used to call her a homewrecker because she'd just (laughs) open cabinets and pull stuff out. And I know all one-year-olds do that, but I'm talking about like an expert level, just a level above um, and then like when you were talking about Isaac, like a lot was ringing true. Like there's a naughty streak, there's, um, an anger streak. There's a, um, I mean, she's a party. She's a lot of fun. She's like, she's just everything. That's why it's like hashtag ultraviolet. She's all the things. She yeah. is all the things. Um, and it's, you know, this fall has been hard. Um, kindergarten is a hard adjustment. Um, so I think in terms of like how things are manifesting. I mean, I don't think this is ever going to be a small personality kid. So I think my hope is that we're giving her, like you said with Isaac, we're giving her the tools to kind of grow into herself from the behavior standpoint. Mm -hmm. So then she can just be a big personality. She'll probably always love to be around people. She'll be, you know, all of those things I want her to harness and grow into, but it, it, it does manifest in, and she's the youngest. I forgot to say that. I mean, it's, listeners know, but she is the youngest of three. And a lot of the behavior issues we see have to do with jealousy or feeling like she can't quite keep up. And so I think it's one of those, like, it's one of those environmental factors that makes her, her natural personality harder. You know what I mean? She was always going to be looking and comparing herself to others and this like super social relational being. But then the fact that she's the youngest of three means she's constantly doing it in a situation where she's the littlest and that's just yeah. always, it's always been hard. So I don't really have like an update. <laughs> yeah. Have- well, I mean, it's going to take some time. Yeah. I do think it's interesting though. One thing that's different about the, you know, about what I've seen with Violet and the way you're describing her is like um, the big emotions. I don't remember Isaac actually having very big emotions. I think he was jolly all the time. Oh really? So he, he was, just was jolly when yeah. he got, he was very physical, but whether he was getting in trouble, he was just chill about it always. Okay. It's like he would, he would knock a bunch of stuff over and, and wreck the room, but then he'd just be kind of like, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's so funny. So as soon as his body calmed down, yeah. I think it wasn't that hard for his for his complete, his exterior demeanor to completely change, and which I, is different when you've yeah. got the motions to go with it. I think it's both for her. I think it's yeah. physical and emotional. So hopefully her body will come down. I mean, we went out to dinner just last night for Brian's 40th, and it wasn't like some big fancy thing, but it was kind of a nice restaurant. So she had to sit semi still. And I just found myself, I felt like I was with a two-year-old, honestly, yeah. just being, just keeping it real. You know, took her outside to run around. And I'm sure listeners can relate. I think a lot of it, a lot of this is what we're used to. And I think I had two relatively chill, especially right. physically chill. Reed, Reed was a handful of emotions in other ways, but um, physically chill. And so to have a what, you know, and we laugh about it. Like she got a nickname Ziggy Zaggy Boing Boing from some of our close family friends. <laughs> and it's like the best. That's what she does. She's like, she's just Ziggy Zaggy Boing Boing all the time. So we have fun with it. And one thing I was going to um, jump off of when you talked about Isaac is she is a perfect angel at school so far. Um, I I could see things, especially as it relates to like getting feelings hurt and stuff as she gets a little older and gets into more social drama. I could see maybe some, some friendship drama getting Mm -hmm. her in trouble. Mm -hmm. Like some, cause she's, she's pretty quick to lash out and she knows how she knows how to hurt feelings if she wants to. Now it hasn't happened yet at school, but um, so she doesn't not get in trouble at school, but man, she comes home ready to ready to fight. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everyone looks back through a cloud of 
you know, when you're, when you're that far away, like you're so close to it right now. Yeah. And I'm like talking about my older kids, like I'm so far away from it yeah. that I'm sure there's parts I'm glossing over in, yeah. in my head. And I do remember some raging for yeah. sure. I just don't remember there being like an angst about it yeah. at all. And that sounds different. Yeah. Like it just no, sounds she's like got ev- it all. Everything is she's bigger. She's got it all. Everything's bigger. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. It is now Will's turn. Good old oh, reliable William. William. Yes, he surely is. Okay. So William is my third. He is um, 14, 15. Sorry. He turned 15 two days ago. No, longer ago. His birthday was two days ago. He turned 15 last week. Jeez. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, he, by the way, I have to say a 15 year old's birthday party <laughs> is also kind of heartbreakingly adorable. Like all of his buddies were here. I can't tell any of them apart. Okay. Because like over the summer, they all morphed into the They're same. They're like men. They're men. They all got tall. They all kind of have vaguely the same hair. <laughs> I really only could pick out two of them by name. And I really, I mean, that's, I've known these kids since they were kindergarten. I was just picturing, because you texted me, I was just picturing, because Will is, he's big. He's, he's a, big. Like a he man. looks like a man. Yes. And your house is really little. And then yep. I was picturing this sleepover, like like a bunch of giants knocking around. <laughs> <laughs> it really kind of was it. it Several points, they were all like in the living room, which I don't know why, because William's bedroom is much bigger than the living room, but they were all hanging out in there. And oh my gosh, they were so goofy. Like they, William got a pinata and filled it with hard boiled eggs before they came. So they went outside and did a pinata and they all got whacked with hard boiled eggs. Like they all thought that was hilarious. I don't get their jokes, like, but they're all, it's kind of innocent because they're not trying to go out and date girls and go to parties yet. Yeah. They're they're just kind of dorky. It is adorable. It is adorable, and I very much enjoyed them. And they're still kind of nice to me. I mean, yeah. they're ninth graders, so they think they're kind of hot crap. And like, <laughs> but even that's been taken down a notch because when yeah. they were in eighth grade, yes, they were a little more insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, when he was a baby, he was just first of all probably my most physically like model attractive baby. Oh, he really? was like the perfect size. Mm-hmm. He had these sweet lips, like. His face was just beautiful. Like he just was a beautiful baby. Um, like you were saying about the round head. Yeah. Everything like yeah. that. And and really looked like a little model baby till he, you know, like he just was adorable. Just little soft cheeks and blonde hair. And was easy. He was an easy, easy he baby. He slept, right? He, was- he slept. I remember when he was a newborn, I thought he slept too much because my only, um, the only thing I had to compare to were babies who were up every like two, three hours. Yeah. And he was sleeping like five and a half hours five and a half hour long naps when he was a few days old. And oh my I, gosh. I was kind of worried about him. Um, and then I got, kind of got laughed at a little bit, not laughed at, <laughs> but they were like, look, you know, he's wetting enough diapers yeah. and eating enough and he's not losing weight. And you're okay. Like just let him sleep and enjoy yeah. it. Um, he was the only baby that I, in fact, up until Clara, Clara, I could do this with to some degree, but that I could just lay on his back and walk away, like look, lay him in his crib and walk away. And then he would just lay there and look, yeah. I don't know what he was looking at, but something. <laughs> yeah. And he was fine. Um, he did get more physical when he got, became bigger, he became a little more difficult as a toddler. And he was like, I remember I had him at a, a mom's group and he was seven months old and he pulled himself up and took a step and everyone wow. in the room was like, what? And then he never did it again. Oh, how funny. He never did it again. But then everyone called him freaky William <laughs> because he, it was really freaky because he's, yeah. a ba- he couldn't even crawl yet. Yeah. That's crazy. He just decided to take Stand a step. Stand up and walk. Oh my gosh. There were, then he was like, nope, did that. Um, so he, he was always just like sweet and easygoing and just very easy guy. And I would say he's exactly the same now. Yeah. So that one just, yeah, he's easygoing. He's helpful. He does what he's asked. He gets a little emotional sometimes. Like if, if he thinks things aren't fair, like I can see unfairness Mm -hmm. or like being, um, being misunderstood Mm. or if anyone gets angry at him, Mm -hmm. he really takes that to heart. Um, and he's got a bit of a stubborn streak, but really he's just been. Your typical classic middle. Mm-hmm. Don't rock the, the boat. Flow, don't yeah. rock the boat. Wants everyone to like him. And, and you know, now he's in high school. And so yeah. how's that going to play out? Right. You know, I mean, we had a long conversation one night about like how he perceives the popular kids in school. It was actually a very entertaining conversation because he's very funny and sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And he had some really funny things to say about the Chads. <laughs> the Chads and the Stacys. Those are the popular <laughs> boys yeah, and but- girls. They're not really named that in these this day and age, are That's they? That's what's so funny it's, about those it. Those are like '90s names for popular kids. Yes, I think he's being a bit ironic. Okay, so I mean, he, I he, he has that's the, the joke. humor chops. Okay, he has right. the humor chops yes. to be ironic. I just was like, yeah, 
And he's like, you know, there's like the rich chads and those, they're like, they're just rich chads because they're rich. But then there's like the other chads who get it on merit. And he had to kind of break it down for me. Oh my gosh. And oh my gosh, it was very, very funny. But I just, I don't know, like what's, he's going to be the one who wants to do everything right on the schedule too. And that's hard because my older two didn't care. They didn't care about letter jackets. They didn't care about senior pictures. They didn't care about like getting their license right on time. Like all those things, they just really didn't care. And William wants all, he wants it all. He want, he's like the stat. Maybe he's a little more status oriented. He is yeah. very much so. He wants the status. He wants everything to follow the timeline. He wants to do what everyone's doing. Very different. Um, Interesting. Socially in that way than the other kids have been so far. So I find all of up, this Mom. so fascinating. Um, okay. <laughs> and the fact that they can be also different. That's right. what's so, it always blows my mind. Right. Okay, Jacob. We're finishing with Jacob. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so great. I love that. So, cause he's the one furthest away. And yeah. yet he's probably the one because he was my first that I remember so clearly as yeah. a baby. And then it gets a little fuzzy, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but okay. So Jacob is almost 21. He'll be 21 in a couple of weeks um, in early November. Um, he was my first mm-hmm. and was an easy baby. Like just easy. I don't like, he gave me a little bit of a hard time with nursing. He didn't really like, I mean, that wasn't him being difficult. It was me not getting it down. Yeah. And not knowing enough to ask for help and that kind of stuff. But overall, I just remember he like, he was just so easy going. Like if I wanted to take a nap, he'd take a nap. If I wanted him to not, he didn't physically get in trouble. Yeah. Um, when he got to be about two or three, I would say he was emotionally more difficult. Mm-hmm. And also at that time I had a newborn who was very physical. Well, yeah. not when he was a newborn, but became more yeah. and more physically difficult the bigger he got. And so it was like the two of them were almost battling to yeah. see who could get my attention in different ways. Yep. And sometimes I wonder if like Isaac saw how frustrated I got with Jacob um, whining or crying mm-hmm. or whatever he was doing and decided to go in a different direction mm-hmm. or if, or if vice versa. Mm-hmm. Jacob saw how frustrated I was with Isaac being so physical and decided, <laughs> yes, and decide, I don't, it's really interesting because you don't ever know how much they're watching each other mm-hmm. and almost like, I remember that those two one-upping each other a lot. None of my other kids have done that mm-hmm. ever, but I remember those two not competing exactly. But like making a conscious decision, you could tell to to react differently in a situation and based on what their brother was doing. Yeah, and sometimes it's unconscious. Sometimes it's like I always think of like the mood of a house is like some cocktail of everybody in it. And so yes. like without, you know, and we can all unpack this like later in adult therapy, but like without it being anybody's fault, like these roles kind of emerge based on the the planets that you're orbiting yeah. around with. I mean, yeah. it's not and really what good or bad. Is, but, no, well, yeah. And what reaction is the other kid getting? And is that a reaction you want? Are you jealous of that? And, right. And parents, you know, we, we have some control, but we don't really have that much control nope. because we don't know how our individual kids are going to act in that. Like, how are they going to react to c- competition? Right. Like, it, right. how much do they even care? So anyway, um, Jacob, one thing I definitely remember about him from a very young age is that he was always very brainy and he was very like fact finding like he was information seeking yeah. at all times. He got really into things and had a really hard, he, he did really well in Montessori because he really liked being able to really wholeheartedly indulge in something. And, yeah. And they kind of let them follow in. their interests. Exactly. For the most part. Yeah. Um, so regular school was, was more frustrating for him. Mm-hmm. And he was also a kid, um, from a very young age who would always try to reinvent the wheel and come up with a different way to do things. And I remember actually thinking that was very cool when he was young and then later realizing <laughs> what a handicap that can really be because I've done this to myself. And we yeah. just, I think you and I just talked about this. Yeah. We talked about it in our um, doctor appointment episode That's last right. week. Yeah. Yes. And like how sometimes the best way to do the math problem is the way your teacher just told yeah, you. Just to go to the, the status problem. quo. Sometimes do it. is easier. <laughs> yes. So sometimes I'll, you know, I've watched him through the years, make a lot of work for himself, yeah. trying to come up with some way around the way everybody else is doing it. And I think what's interesting at the age he's at now is I think like he's understanding more how the world works and when you have to play the game. Yeah. And when you can reinvent it. Yeah. And what also what else you need in place. You can't just I think he was also um the one who witnessed John and I transitioning to like being self-employed and all mm-hmm. those things. And I think that he might forget sometimes that before that we both worked regular jobs yeah. and um, you know, just kind of had ordinary lives and you have to do that legwork. You can't yeah. just jump right into the world like, hey, here I am. 
I'm going to do something totally unconventional. I don't have any experience or skills yet, but the world's going to love it. He wants it to takes... stick it to the man before he's paid his <laughs> Exactly. <dues>. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He wants to stick it. He doesn't even know who the man is. Yeah. He just wants to stick it to him. Um, and I do think with maturity, that'll yeah. get better. But yeah. I think he is exactly the way he was as a kid. Yeah. He does not surprise me at all. That's so Not even a little bit. That's yeah. so interesting. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is, yeah. this is so fun. Um, okay. So we do have to wrap up and get to my segment with Allison. Um, and as a reminder, Allison and I chat about postpartum stuff. There's a lot yeah. to unpack. Um, so before we do a couple of things, um, wanted to remind you guys about the sponsor we talked about at the top of the show, Steve Spangler Science. We are loving their science boxes for kids. Um, so just fun. head to the show notes at themomhour.com and that's where you'll find out all the information about them. And also keep an eye on our Instagram stories because we're doing a little unboxing of those fun science kits. Um, and then Megan, I picked a cue it up and this is a little unusual, but if Uh-oh, you guys okay. have not listened to the Voices interview that aired just on Friday, so everybody listens differently, and I think some people maybe skip our interviews sometimes, that's fine. Don't skip this one. So you interviewed Asha Dornfest, um, and actually talking about our kids growing up is very, you know, it, it pertains perfectly to your conversation with Asha yeah. because her kids are in college and high school now, but I listened as I was kind of helping produce the episode. And it was like, it was almost emotional how cool it was to hear you guys talk about motherhood from this like slightly more ahead perspective since you both have kids in that age range. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Asha talks about like what she's doing with her life now that kids are getting older. And so I didn't, I don't want listeners to see the headline and think it's for moms of college age kids. It's not, it is for you guys. So you can have this view ahead and it's such a beautiful conversation. Um, yeah. And then if you've all, she's amazing. She's amazing. And then I have an alternate. If you already listened to that and you know of which I speak, um, there is a great interview since this episode's airing on election day, um, with Sarah Stewart Holland from two years ago in October, 2016. And it is about having political conversations in a nuanced, nonpartisan way with everybody. And it's amazing how well that conversation holds up two years later. Um, And And very relevant to some of the stuff I talk with Asha. Exactly. It's a nice pairing. So if you liked the Asha conversation, you've already listened. Um, You go back to the interview from October 2016. It's called Motherhood, Politics and Nuance with Sarah Stewart Holland. And then you can follow her over to Pantsuit Politics. And she's doing all kinds of amazing things now. So, okay. That was a lot. Go vote, guys. It's election day. And then stick around. And here comes Allison. Hey, guys. It's Sarah. And I am here with Allison Thompson. Hey, Allison. Hey there, Sarah. So if you haven't heard this segment before, Allison is one of the co-hosts of the Crunchy Cocktail Hour podcast in our Life Listen Network. And most importantly, she is joining us every few weeks to talk about her transition from mom of one to mom of two. So she recently had her second baby. And um, we're actually recording this before baby's born, but we're talking about a pretty important topic and we're going to cover it, I don't know, kind of quickly, but get into the details too. And that is postpartum. So first of all, thank you, Allison, for being willing to talk about this, especially before you're about to go through it again. Yeah. It's almost like preparing me mentally. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll mostly kind of focus on your first postpartum experience, Mm -hmm. but with the, with the mindset that you are about to do it all over again. So do you want to just kind of start by sharing like just in general, how did postpartum go for you? It was about two years ago with your daughter, Claire, and um, we've already kind of shared Claire's birth story. So if you want to go back, you can listen to that in episode uh, 175. But um, tell us kind of how things went after Claire was born. Yeah. So from the high level, I did have a vaginal birth with her. Um, I did tear. I think it's pretty common. Um, so I I had some some unfun physical recovery. Right. Um, but we spent extra time in the hospital. So Claire, when she was born, she ended up needed, needing to be suctioned and she was early. So she ended up with jaundice that they actually wanted to keep her um, in the hospital for. And they were really accommodating and allowed me to stay with her as well in a room. So we were there for four or five days. I cannot recall, but four or five days. Um, and I think that extra hospital time is so valuable. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk more about yeah. that, but it was amazing. Um, you know, in general, I'd say um, recovery for me was, um, wasn't as, as bad as it could be, but it's always just tough. Um, I, I ended up on pain medication right mm-hmm. off the bat. And um, 
it was a crazy time for us just from a life perspective. I remember so because you she came, talking about that, you were moving, yeah. right? Yeah. So she came early. We were um, closing on our house two days after she was born. Um, and it was at the election. It was the 2016 okay. election. Um, so I had to figure out a way to do an absentee ballot as well as get a notary in to be able to have Kyle have power of attorney oh so gosh. that we could close on our house. In a, and in a swing state, I will say. Correct. And in a swing state. Yeah. Yes. You can't um, stay home. So <laughs> it was just kind of a crazy time in general. So I feel like it was just this whirlwind of things happening. Um, so I didn't kind of decompress until uh-huh. we were home and in our space and um, and that was kind of where the emotions hit me, which yeah. I'm sure we'll so talk let's, about. <laughs> let's talk about that. Like what we know, you know, everyone listening, it all, I can, will, I'm willing to bet 99.9% of women listening have had, you know, babies come into their lives, but some through adoption, some, mm-hmm. you know, different ways. So postpartum is different for everyone. Emotions are a big part of it, but everyone's experience is different. What did you, what was most surprising maybe to you about like that kind of emotional hormonal side of things? Um, I would say the depth of the feelings, mm-hmm. mostly, I mean, ups and downs, mm-hmm. right? So you, you know, you're hit pretty quickly just by this overwhelming amount of love. Mm-hmm. And then you're also hit with this just deep, deep sadness mm-hmm. that you can't place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all of, I think it was just sort of that, that up and down and sort mm-hmm. of that breadth of emotion and the inability to control it. I think Mm -hmm. that was what surprised me. So did, um, did you have a sense? Like I know when I had, and I definitely had, I did not have clinical postpartum depression. I for sure had the baby blues, mm -hmm. which start earlier and kind of alleviate earlier and don't tend to linger past a couple of weeks. But I had a very real sensation that it was chemical. Like I could see, I, I knew in my logical brain that I was happy and the baby was healthy. And then I felt this, and I haven't, in my life had a lot of experience with really chemical mood stuff. And so it was so strange to feel like I know that I'm happy, but my (laughs) brain does not. Did that, did did you feel that way too? Like you knew it was coming from hormones, but you still couldn't get out of it. Yes. I, well, and I, I have had experiences with, um, with depression in the past. So Mm -hmm. I, I at least knew that what was happening in my body was hormonal and not logical. Yeah. Um, because like you said, I was super objectively happy. I had this new baby. I had all of these exciting things that were going on. Um, but I was having this, this kind of deep seated despair is almost the word Mm -hmm. that that you're, you can't place and you can't kind of navigate through because Mm -hmm. it's not logical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so I think being able to pinpoint that and say, I know that this is just hormonal. I know this is short lived. I know how to get through this. Um, helped. And then um, I did have my husband home for the first week and mm-hmm. he will be home for eight weeks with me this time. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Great. But I think having that support system and somebody to just kind of gut check you yeah. is really, really helpful. Um, and so I didn't end up with postpartum depression and it was through his support. And I think the extended stay in the hospital yeah. are the two things I credit it to the most. Do you remember um, it kind of lifting? I had a pretty, like, oh, it happened over a few days. It wasn't all at once, but it was a very noticeable change. And it had to have been, yes. a, you know, a hormone rising or dropping. Cause then it was, when it was gone, it was pretty much gone. I did. It, it's almost like coming out of a fog. It's exactly what it feels like. Yes, it really is. Or a fog lifting. I remember feeling a like, a, like a dark cloud had lifted. Yes. And everything just sort of, you were able to place it again. Mm-hmm. And I felt like time wasn't going as quickly. So okay, in yes. the beginning, it just felt like everything was moving so fast. Interesting. And I, I felt unable to keep up. Yeah. And, you know, you have all these, these emotions that you aren't able to place. And then, yeah, it just sort of lifted one day. And maybe it it, it didn't lift all, yeah. all at once, but it certainly felt like that. Yeah. I just woke up one day and I was like, I feel myself. Yeah. <laughs> I so, feel like I'm in my own head again. Yeah. So that's, this is a really good time to say guys that um, w- there's a lot of resources and we're probably, we're not going to give this the full attention it deserves, but if you are feeling like that, or if you, if it has been months and months, or it's very normal actually for postpartum mood disorders to set in even months after baby's born, we're kind of talking about this initial like crazy hormonal slide, but um 
there's a couple of resources that on our website that I will link to in the show notes for this episode. So head to themomhour.com. This is episode 181. We have done a couple of episodes and then I'll also link to just general postpartum health um, resources. But this is so, so common as you're hearing Allison and I both talk about and both of ours happen to lift after a couple of weeks or maybe less for you, Allison. But if it doesn't, it's not you. It's, it's yeah. So I just wanted to kind of mention that. Um, so can we shift to talk about kind of how you're anticipating postpartum healing this time around, both like the physical and the emotional? Are you do you feel like it will be different just because you've been through it once? It's so funny. I, I, I feel like knowing what to expect either makes it worse or makes it better depending mm-hmm. on the day. Um, <clears throat> so I think that I, I think I'm, I'm more nervous for it in some ways because I, I, I know what I'm expecting, but I'm also hoping, you know, I will have my husband home with me for longer, which um, physical recovery is no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are recovering from an absolutely major medical event. Mm-hmm. And so now, especially having a toddler and she's going to want my time and mm-hmm. she's going to want to be picked up, um, having him there to help me navigate that will be really helpful. Um, I also feel like, you know, one of the things that I, I don't think I, we talked about a little bit earlier was the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked yeah. a little bit about the emotions, but I, I, my anxiety kind of went on a little bit longer okay. than that. Um, so I think having expectations around um, how and when to ask for help or to talk mm-hmm. about things like that, I think would be helpful. Um, so just being a little bit more aware of what normal looks like. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's kind of the struggle is when, when does it become something that's not normal and right. when to kind of address it? Yeah, and, and when it, is it just normal baby blues? Right. And it's interesting because <laughs> right now you're a fairly sound end of pregnancy mind, but knowing that your thoughts and emotions can potentially get pretty clouded, it's almost like you have to brace yourself a little bit. And then like you say, surround yourself with the resources so that if you're not um, fully yourself, you have the people around you who can help you identify that um, and, you know, talk to somebody. Yes, Um, exactly. What about like, let's just spend a couple of minutes getting past maybe the first two or three weeks. How did, um, I'm thinking of things like getting back to, uh, exercise activity, work, um, social life. Cause I, I do think that is still part of the postpartum journey. There's kind of the intense, intense, maybe first four to six weeks. Um, but then postpartum adjustment continues to last. Um, how did that go for you the first time? And is there anything you would maybe do differently this next time? Yeah, that's definitely a huge part of postpartum is yeah. like getting back to your own routine. Yeah. Um, so I would say I, the things that I, I am hoping to be better at. So social is one of those interesting things, right? Because everybody kind of shows up right off the bat and yep. wants to meet the baby. And then everybody goes back to their lives. They have to work during the yep. day and, you know, they, they have their own families, all of those things. So I think um, what I'm hoping to do a better job of this time is re-engaging with my friends just as my friends mm-hmm. and not as, um, you know, showing off the baby, the baby. Yeah. yeah, those types of things. So, um, making sure that I get back to just dinners with girlfriends mm-hmm. and, you know, even if the baby's in tow, that the, the, the purpose of the dinner is just our catch up and mm-hmm. those types of things. Um, exercise is kind of a big one. So I, um, had, I lost the baby weight with Claire really easily because I was nursing and not able to eat very much because Mm -hmm. of her allergies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so that time I lost all the weight, but I never really felt like I I got back in shape, Mm -hmm. even heading into this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So I am hoping to return to that a little bit sooner than I did with with Claire. Um, I'm... I've already started to research some programs that I want to join. I did do a stroller strides type class with Claire, Mm -hmm. which I love because you're networking with other moms at the same time. Um, And, and work actually, I, I think I mentioned this in one of the previous segments, but I'm really lucky this time. I I'm actually going to be taking six months off my my day job. Um, But my, my pet project as I'm calling them, but our, our podcast, we're actually, um, trying to record a little bit ahead, but I am hoping to continue that because it's something yeah. that I love doing and, you know, hanging out with Larissa is something that I would do anyway. Right. Um, so I think 
in general, I'm hoping to get back to me mm-hmm. pretty quickly, pretty quickly or faster than I did with Claire. And I don't know what your kind of network of mom friends is like, but I definitely there was a difference for me in that like mom tribe thing from the first time to the second, because the first time you have to find it, even if you even if you have pre kid friends who also have kids, there's still like there is still a juggling of like relationships and like the amount that you see different people. And it's not like it's not like everything ends. It has to start over. But there's a definite a shift. And I just remember when I had my second Lots of people I knew were having their second and many of them were my new friends. They were the friends I had just met. But now all of a sudden they were also and all of a sudden we went from like being these very green new moms to being like a gaggle of women who all had two kids. And there was something very like we just felt so much more settled in that role. Um, And we we had each other going in. So that was so much easier for me the second time socially. Um, And I think that that. Um, trickles out into so many other areas of feeling supported and happy and all of that. So, yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So I will just quickly mention uh, the mom hours postpartum episodes for those who like this kind of stuff or are looking <laughs> at the, at a postpartum period coming up episode 88. So it's a while back in the archives um, is called postpartum symptoms and surprises. And Megan and I go into really kind of a lot of detail about the things nobody told us would happen. Like, hair falling out and crazy oh night sweats and like we didn't even have time to get into some oh, of no there's so many there's so many lovely on. things um and so that's episode 88 and then more recently I did an interview with um an author of a book called strong as a mother and it's um her name is Kate Rope and Allison you said some very nice things about that episode you had listened it was, recently it was really powerful especially if, if you're newly postpartum she kind of just speaks to your your mommy soul yeah um and says things that you're likely thinking out loud and it's just really really useful yeah so that was it's our in our voices series it was voices episode 26 um and so i will link those up in the show notes at themomhour.com but please please if you're looking for more postpartum support of any kind and support can just sometimes be listening to people laugh about night sweats it doesn't always have to be like straight to therapy but whatever we would love to have you listen to those episodes and we know we couldn't cover it all today so all right allison we're gonna wrap up and the next time i record with you i want to hear little baby sounds in the background yeah she'll be here (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody go check out allison's podcast crunchy cocktail hour and she'll be back with me in a few weeks thanks everyone 